In a world gone mad, there must be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, people are being accused of being racist now for saying, don't be racist. Can you believe it? I wish it weren't true. I wish it were not the case. But that is what is happening in Canada now, and it's happening in our own parliament. It's happening between our members of parliament. What I wish would happen is that our members of parliament would remember the late Reverend Martin Luther King. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. All men are created equal. And yet, and yet, we are being told now by one liberal MP that people need to be quiet and check their privilege because they're white. I'll get to that in a moment. But more on the late Reverend Martin Luther King. And yes, I remember when I'm old enough to remember when he was referred to, when he was called the Reverend Martin Luther King. Do you remember that? And then the left decided Martin Luther King's always been a, a hero of the left. And if you've got problems with him, if you want to say he's a communist, he's a flanderer, he's this or that, you know, save your breath. I don't want to hear it. The message in this speech that I'm playing for you tonight is what I want you to hear. Was Martin Luther King Jr. an imperfect man? Yes. As were so many of the men and women that have defined our history. Read your Bible if you want to know about imperfect men. Read what King Solomon did. Read what David did. But save your breath on saying, why are you quoting that guy's this and that? No, I don't want to hear it. What I want to hear and what I want you to hear is the message of his speech, which took place on August 28th, 1963, less than five years later, April 4th, 1968. He was dead. We're coming up on the 50th anniversary of his assassination. But what was the message of the Reverend? Martin Luther King. It was about racial healing. It was about looking past race. It was about saying, we are all God's creatures and we all matter. And so on August 28th, 1963, a sweltering day in Washington, he leads the march. He speaks from in front of, I I believe it's the Lincoln Memorial he was standing on the steps of, an Uh, an awe-inspiring place if you've never been. And he talks about all men being created equal, and he calls for a deeply divided America, an America divided on race, to come together. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners 
Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream. The sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners coming together. Isn't that beautiful? And then, and then he invokes his, his children and his hope for them that they will not be judged by their race. Just as I have a dream, my poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream Hmm. Hmm. Compare that to Justin Trudeau's current liberals. Compare that to the fact that we've got a liberal MP who was out there, a liberal MP named Selena Cesar Chavanez, she's from just outside the Toronto area, telling Maxime Bernier that he should be quiet on issues of race. He should check his privilege and be quiet. Now, how did all of this start? Well, it's quite simple, really. Ahmed Hussein, our immigration minister, tweeted out about the budget. A historic budget 2018 for racialized Canadians. $19 million for black youth and mental health. National anti-racism plan. Center for racial and gender data. I thought we had Stats Canada for all these things. 23 million for multiculturalism funding, 31.8 million for racialized newcomer women. Bernier responded with, I thought the ultimate goal of fighting discrimination was to create a colorblind society where everyone is treated the same, not to set some Canadians apart as being racialized. What's the purpose of this awful jargon? To create more division for the liberals to exploit. Now, I grew up in a time when I was told the same thing. That we need to create a colorblind society. Well, that is out of vogue, ladies and gentlemen. And so Selena Cesar Chavanez responded to Maxime Bernier, do some research or a Google search as to why stating colorblindness as a defense actually contributes to racism. Please check your privilege and be quiet. Since our government likes research, here's some evidence. Then she links to an opinion piece in the far left wing Guardian. That's her version of racism. Now, Miss Cesar Chavanes has since apologized and said that she realizes she went too far in the tweet and would like to sit down with Maxime Bernier, <coughs> excuse me, and talk to him. Bernier's said no. She said, I'm not too big to admit when I'm wrong. Limiting discussion on this important issue by telling you to be quiet was not cool. If you're willing, let's chat when we're back in Ottawa. Bernier said, thank you for recognizing my right to air an opinion. I don't think we can find much common ground. Beyond that, however, you and Minister Hussein implied I'm a racist because I want to live in a society where everyone is treated equally and not defined by their race. Which I keep pointing out. The reason I keep going back to Martin Luther King is that that is what he wanted. And liberals will hold him up and say, we need to have he, you know, we need to follow his example, and yet they go in the opposite direction. They go Malcolm X while invoking Martin Luther King Jr. Jr. Uh, 
Are we defined by our race? Are we defined by our ethnicity? Or are we individuals worthy of respect because we are all children of God? Okay, fine. You don't want to believe in the children of God part? Fine. We are all individuals created equally. We are worthy of respect because we are humans. Bernier Retta has sent out a number of other tweets, and I want to read some of them off. He said, we should certainly do everything possible to redress injustices and give everyone equal opportunities to flourish. And we should recognize that Canada is big enough to contain many identities. As a Francophone Quebecer, I can understand this. But that doesn't mean the government officially defining us on the basis of intersectional race, gender and sexual identities and granting different rights and privileges accordingly. This only creates more division and injustice and will balkanize our society. I say it's time we conservatives stop being afraid to defend our vision of a just society made up of free and equal individuals and push back against those who want to silence any opinion that differs from theirs. Bravo, Maxime. Bravo, Mad Max. That is the way it should be. And when you say that, you are actually invoking the man that the liberals hold up. The man that the liberals say we should listen to. Martin Luther King Jr. again listened to what his dream was for his own children. Justice, I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream I have not met Liberal MP Selena Cesar Chavanez. I have not met her. If I was to judge her by her tweet the other day telling Maxime Bernier to check his privilege and be quiet, I would judge her based on the content of the character I saw in that tweet, and I would find her wanting. But I would not judge her or anyone else based on the color of their skin, their ethnicity, or any other of the defining factors that the liberals want to use to divide us up into, balkanize us, as Bernier said, and then use those divisions for electoral gain. Well, we'll give this group that money. We'll give that group this money. But I will say this for Miss Cesar Chavanez. She admitted that she is wrong. I think she's got a long way to go and a bigger apology to make for implying that Maxime Bernier and anyone else that wants a colorblind society where you judge people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin, for living up to the dream that Martin Luther King Jr. said, anyone that lives up to that dream is in her eyes a racist, which is nothing short of garbage. She owes Bernier a bigger apology. She owes millions of Canadians a bigger apology. She owes the voters that voted for her because of who she is rather than her race. And if the liberals just want to define us by our race, they should come out and say so. And then we can all go back to just voting based on our religion, our ethnicity, our race. And forget about policy. We'll just be tribal. And maybe we can go to war with each other. Is that what they want? It's not what I want, and I hope it's not what you want. I do want that land 
where we are judged by the content of our character above and beyond anything else. We are individuals. We need to be treated as such by each other and by our government as well. Our rights are not group rights. Our rights defined in the Charter are individual rights. Leave the Marxism behind, Miss Cesar Chavanez. Leave it behind and actually be a liberal. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Uh, Jeremy Roberts, who was denied his bid to be the Ottawa West Nepean PC candidate in the Ontario election, is going to drop by. He is now the PC candidate again. We'll talk about voting irregularities, how to get around, or what to do if you are having trouble registering to vote in the PC election. Uh, we will talk to Phil Gursky about yet another person saying they want to come to Canada because we're nicer to terrorists. And uh, we'll also check in with someone that says we're still not taking the issue of foreign interference in our election seriously enough. <clears throat> if you're watching on Facebook Live or if you've got to go somewhere else, make sure that you can check in. You can listen in at CFRA.com or you can download the iHeartRadio app. If you've already done it, upgrade to iHeartRadio 2.0. It's a new app way better. I've done it myself. You're going to enjoy it. You can listen to CFRA anywhere, anytime with that. Back in moments. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. leader of the unofficial opposition. Brian Lilly is on your side. Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. May I have your attention, please? Brian Lilly's Five Things You Need to Know. Bill by the Science Guy. Oh, story number one you need to know. Justin Trudeau, one fake scientist. Trying to call out uh, Pi to the 19th decibel. Do you remember when Trudeau said that? I'm not going to sit here and recite Pi to the 19th decibel. Well, he sat down with another fake scientist today, Bill Nye, the science guy. He's a mechanical engineer who worked at Boeing before playing a very popular, it was a great show for kids. Uh, he played a scientist on TV. So Bill Nye, the science guy, and Trudeau were doing an armchair discussion today, and um, Nye actually raised the issue of the Kinder Morgan pipeline, which he and his friends in the United States don't want uh, built. They don't want it twinned. The pipeline is, in, in the big picture, bad, but in this short, medium term, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, Nye had actually put the prime minister on the spot with this question, uh, forcing Trudeau to do something he doesn't like to do, defend the oil industry. We are going to have a transition phase while we develop alternatives to fossil fuels. So while we are developing those alternatives to fossil fuels, we ne still need to be able to power uh, our homes, our cars, our economy. Uh-huh. So why are you blocking everything that is uh, trying to come out of there? Justin, really? Why? Uh, story number two that you need to know has to do with trade and Trump. Not the note from the Canadian press. They had nothing to say about that today because they're, a, uh, as far as radio stations are going, a useless organization that doesn't file clips. Um, that's my rant for today.
But story number two is Donald Trump reaffirming his plan to impose a 25% tariff on steel imports, 10% tariff on aluminum imports. He held a news conference with the Swedish prime minister today. And Trump says the U.S. has been mistreated by trade deals and has been dealing with a massive trade deficit. He says the possibility the tariffs will spark a trade war eh, doesn't bother him at all. When we're behind on every single country, trade wars aren't so bad. Do you understand what I mean by that? When we're down by 30 billion, 40 billion, 60 billion, 100 billion, the trade war hurts them, doesn't hurt us. As for Canada and Mexico, Trump said yet again, well, if we get a bit better deal on NAFTA, maybe the tariffs won't apply to them. Uh huh. Interesting. Uh, the. Uh, did I, did I mention this yesterday? NBC, which, you know, the media across the board has been against these tariffs, and so am I. But at the same time, NBC yesterday ran a story about how the tariffs that Vladimir Putin imposed in Russia on imported cheese were great for the Russian cheese industry. It was bizarre. It was absolutely bizarre to see them denouncing Trump and praising Russia for doing the same thing. Story number three. Big news locally, the city's finance economic development committee getting an update on the LRTs. Turns out the LRT stations are nearly done. In the East End, they're actually doing testing and finishing touches. But West End stations, I drove by them today. I believe this. They need more work. CTV's Claudia Cotilla was there for the update. We also heard today that there's an ongoing dispute between the city and RTG as to who is responsible for that Rideau Street sinkhole. Now, Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson is reiterating all is on track for the new November timeline when people will finally be able to ride the trains. Uh, story number four that you need to know, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, the wife of our prime minister, was on Power Play. We'll get you the audio of this later on. She called the Atwal incident shocking and denied that the trip where she and her family changed outfits countless times while mostly doing sightseeing. She denies that it was a vacation. We'll get you that audio later on. And story number five that you need to know, one of the... <clears throat> All the terms I'm going to use, I use here loosely. One of the premier manufacturers of sex robots is looking for a tester. It comes with a $55,000 a year U.S. salary, uh, several weeks vacation, a cell phone, benefits, and you get to work from home testing out all the dolls in all the shapes and sizes that they come in. This is a real job in 2018, folks. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We'll check in with Jeremy Roberts next. Insurgent. Believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. You know, a lot of toing and froing in a, in a leadership race. I was in it last time in 2014 and 15, uh, but I can tell you that I am absolutely confident in the process, and I know that our team, we have one goal. We just want to get to the election so we can help our families. That's really where we need to be, and so I'm confident that we're all going to rally behind the leader. Something tells me that when Vic Fidelli, the interim leader of the conservative, progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, says 
We want to help our families. What he really means is defeat Kathleen Wynne. That's how I'm reading anyway. Uh, if you say, how do you help an Ontario family? I say defeat Kathleen Wynne. It's just that's the way things work. He was speaking with Evan Solomon earlier today about fixing the party up. One of the things that he did was overturn a nomination process in Ottawa, West Nepean, where Karma McGregor had been awarded the nomination and Jeremy Roberts in his campaign said, well, wait a minute, there was ballot box stuffing and other things going on. We'd like a redo. And more than a year ago, that was turned down. Now, Jeremy Roberts is in studio with me. And are you the actual candidate for Ottawa West Nepean now? I am excited to announce that I am, Brian. It's, uh, when did that happen? So we got the news actually late Saturday evening uh, that uh, I was going to be officially acclaimed as the candidate on uh, on Wednesday evening. And uh, so it's uh, it's been a remarkable journey for me and my team. It's taken a bit longer than we thought, but uh, it's really nice to get to this point. So Karma McGregor didn't seek to get the nomination again? My understanding is that I was the only candidate who put forward an application to run the second time. Uh, so uh, so that's why we're looking at an acclamation on Wednesday, and uh, we're branding it as our official campaign launch. Uh, because, uh, uh, and when's that again? So that's going to be uh, tomorrow evening okay. from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., and we're doing it at the Villa Marconi, uh, which is just on Baseline in Maryville. Yep. Yep. And, Great uh, spot. And, you know, I can share some uh, really exciting news with your listeners that we actually just found out. Uh, Vic Fideli, our interim leader, is actually flying in from Toronto tomorrow night to join Join us at that event, and he's going to speak there as well. So I think it's going to be a, a really big rally right. for Ottawa Conservatives. And, and I'll let you plug that again at the end. But let's go back to when all this went down. And I remember saying at the time, um, I said, I don't know Jeremy Roberts. I don't know Karma McGregor. You look at their resumes. You both have great experience on the Hill. Her in the Senate, you in the Commons. Um there's no reason for the party to be tipping the scales, and yet there seemed to be interference. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk about that, but tell me when it actually happened, because my memory's fuzzy. It seemed to be about a year ago this started to happen, wasn't it? Yeah, so I mean, I uh, I officially launched my campaign back in October 2016, and our nomination meeting was held in May. So uh, so pretty much uh, just about a year ago now. And uh, as I said, it's it's been a, a pretty long journey with some bumps and hurdles along the way. But uh, right now, what but, we're really but, focused but at, on at the time, and, and I know you want to focus on the future, but I had so many angry calls and. When nobody else was out there talking about it in the media, I was saying, this is a problem. They've got to fix it. And I'm glad they have. But I had angry people saying I was at the meeting or I tried to vote or this or that. The allegation was party officials, not Carmen McGregor, but party officials uh, who were close to Patrick Brown were interfering. Is that correct? I mean, so, you know, I think the the really important thing is uh, is – to commend Vic Fideli and his team for the really good work that they've been doing to clean up the party. Here's a political um, answer. Because one of the things that have happened... <laughs> no, 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 no. One of what the things happened? That, what happened is what I'm asking you. Sure. And, and one of the things that happened is all of those folks who were feeling disillusioned with the party back in May when all of those uh, events took place. I don't think we need to relitigate them. Most people are familiar by now. You, you, uh, you're stretching it out because I wanted to spend 30 seconds on it, but if you won't talk... <laughs> Talk about what happened. We're going to spend four minutes on it instead of talking about the future. So 
What happened? Sure. So, yeah, th- this is bottom line. You, you you want on the air to talk about the future and talk about your campaign. We'll do that. But what the hell happened? I did not spend months banging the drum for you uh, to get a fair shake for you to come in here tonight and just say, I don't want to talk about what happened in the past. Talk about it. Sure. I mean, you know, we have a lot of supporters who were quite upset that back in May they didn't feel that they got a fair and honest nomination for a number of different reasons. Uh, And now what's happened is we've seen a lot of those individuals who had said they didn't want to donate to the party, volunteer for the party, be mobilizers for the party. We've seen them coming back into the fold. Uh, One of the things that was really nice for me is I had a number of young people on my campaign, and this was the first campaign— Jeremy? For all of Jeremy, them. before I throw you out of the studio, no, I'm serious. I'm tired of conservatives thinking that they can come in here and not answer questions. I'm going to be as tough on you as anybody else. What the hell happened? I've got emails from you decrying ballot box stuffing, and all I'm asking you to say is that this is what happened. Sure. We would have been over this minutes ago. There's tons of stuff on the record, Brian. About no, well, what well, spend thirty bloody uh, seconds or get out and stop wasting my time. <laughs> I mean, we've no uh, spend thirty seconds telling me what happened now, or get out and stop wasting my time. Well, here's the thing, though, Brian. We as conservatives, we need to be focused right now on beating Kathleen Wynne. Okay, and going back Jeremy, over Jeremy. These thanks for the time. Fights. Thanks for the time. I spent a lot of time and effort defending you and pushing this. And trying to get Patrick to overturn it, and we've now spent four and a half minutes with me trying to get you to spend 30 seconds giving a quick recap before we could move on. If you want to be that politician that doesn't want to say, here was what the problem was, and here's how we fixed it, that's fine. You want to be that politician that doesn't answer a question, that just sits there and says, well, going forward, blah, 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 do it somewhere else. Don't do it on my airwaves. And again, Brian, I appreciate all of the coverage that you've given to this important issue over the last uh, the last number of months because it's it's key for our party to move beyond this stuff by by learning okay. about it and hearing about it. All right, uh, thank thanks for the time, Jeremy. Thanks yeah. for the time. I, I I wanted to have you on to give you time to to talk about what's going forward. I asked you to spend thirty seconds talking about what happened in the past. You want to dodge, then. You just want to be the same type of politician that you want to replace. Thanks for the time. I I wasn't expecting this. I really wasn't. I'm a frustrated Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We'll be back in moments. Brian Lilly. Don't worry. Everyone else will catch up next week. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Ten months. Ten months I spent banning the drum about that guy being given an unfair shake. He comes in the studio after getting a 
second chance at a nomination. And all I ask of Jeremy Roberts, the PC candidate in Ottawa, Western Pena, is what happened a year ago? Well, I don't want to talk about that. No, what happened a year ago? The only reason that he is now the PC candidate for Ottawa, West Nepean is what happened a year ago. Give me 30 seconds. 30 seconds of what happened last May. I've got emails upon emails from him and his supporters and PDFs with letters and documents. I had long conversations with people like Senator Marjorie, Marjorie LeBreton backing him, saying Jeremy Roberts got shafted. How many nights did I spend talking about how Patrick Brown's crew had shafted the nomination, had stuffed ballots? And this kid comes in here. I asked him on, I said, hey, you're the candidate now. Do you want to come on and talk about it? Yeah. Give me 30 seconds out of a 10-minute interview. Give me 30 seconds. He would have had longer. He would have had a lot longer. But he fought me for five minutes. All I wanted him to say was, what happened a year ago? Because without what happened a year ago, there's no overturning the nomination that put Karma McGregor as the candidate. And now we're getting phone calls saying Karma McGregor tried to run and was blocked by the party. I didn't know either one of them, but I don't know what I would do if I was living in Ottawa, West Nepean. Either Jeremy Roberts learns from that or he's just your standard politician, a career politician that just wants to say the same thing over and over again. Not answer a question, just speak in vague generalities. You had a chance to talk all about your event tomorrow night at Villa Marconi. You had a chance to talk about why you're the guy to take down Bob Shirelli, a man that I have no love for. You blew it because you wanted to be a politician of the same ilk as the type you're trying to replace. And I have no time for that. If you want to come on these airwaves, answer a bloody question. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of politicians that don't want to actually talk about what's there. It's the same as Justin Trudeau. All last week, Andrew Scheer is asking about, about the trip to India and how we can blame the, the Indian government for having a conspiracy about him. Conspiracy theory. And all Trudeau will do is stand up and say, well, I believe our civil servants and I trust our civil servants. And why don't you trust our civil servants? All I wanted Jeremy Roberts to say was, What happened a year ago was wrong. There were lots of allegations. They're in my files. Allegations of ballot box stuffing and irregular voting patterns. And that's why we needed to overturn it. How hard is that? And we have overturned it. Now we're moving forward. How many chances did I give him? Three? Four? And instead, instead of him getting all the opportunity in the world to talk about why he's a good candidate, I'm talking about how this guy blew it. I'm not putting up with this garbage from politicians anymore. I'm fed up beyond belief with it. I bet you are too. Later on in the program, uh, we've got an official from the... um, uh, We've got an official from the Leadership Organizing Committee 
calling in to talk about registering to vote. My understanding is a pile of people got their paperwork today. That's fine if you've got gotten it and, and you've still got a chance tomorrow, but you've got to register by 8 p.m. tomorrow. So if you are worried about it, listen in just after 9 o'clock. We've got an official who knows how the system works, can walk us through it. I had so many calls last night, so many calls about how difficult this system was that I wanted to make sure we brought somebody on to discuss what to do, how to do it, best practices, make it as smooth as golden for all of you. All right. That's just after nine o'clock. We may be uh, checking in also with uh, Megan Shaw at some point. Uh, who is over at the Brig Pub here in the Byward Market. That's where Caroline Mulrooney is meeting up with local supporters today. So we'll check back in, and and hopefully it's a better experience as we talk about various issues on the uh, PC leadership front and uh, defeating Kathleen Wynne. Look, that's my ultimate goal. Um, But if you want on the airwaves, and I ask you, give me 30 seconds on something, don't fight it. Just don't. Let's go back to um, Justin Trudeau and his uh, bizarre little interaction today with his childhood hero. Bill Nye, the science guy. Okay, he's not Justin Trudeau's childhood hero uh, because, uh, as I've told you before, Justin and I are the same age. Bill wasn't on the air back then. He was on the air when my kids were young. Uh, Justin's kids are a lot younger than mine. He would have been off the air by then. I think he was just looking for a quote-unquote celebrity? Is Bill Nye still a celebrity? Apparently to the students at the University of Ottawa, he is. Uh, He is a celebrity because they all grew up watching him. So Trudeau goes to where he's comfortable, hanging around university students, has an armchair discussion with Bill Nye, the science guy, where they talk about how important it is uh, for... um, to fund science. And then there, there's the bizarre comments from Justin Trudeau on things like, um, well, if you're a baby, you're a scientist. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but Trudeau actually said that today. He said, if you are a baby, you're a scientist. I'm just going to try and pull up that... Uh, audio right now. Here it is, and um, we'll just play the beginning. It's a bit of a wrong approach in your question, Kate, because that asking, you know, when did we discover that we were fans of science, the thing is that every single human being starts off as a scientist. When you're a baby, you are a scientist. If I, you know, make this noise, wow, I get milk. Uh, If I uh, push (laughs) this button uh, or knock this thing off the table, uh, it lands on me and it hurts. Uh As somebody pointed out, um, their dog knows that if they bark, they get food. If the cat meows, they get food. That does not make them scientists. And all of my children learned that if they cried, they got fed. Trust me, not a single one of them is a scientist. It's not from trying, not trying to impart a desire for knowledge upon them. They're not scientists, but that's Justin Trudeau's simplistic view. And then Bill Nye, realizing that, you know, we're two days away from the uh, 
International Women's Day. He says, well, women are 50% of the population, so why aren't women 50% of the scientists? Maybe because they don't want to be. Again, I keep going back. If this is how it has to be, why are 85% of teachers women and why are 95% of nurses and librarians women? Because we go into what interests us. And it's not all forced on us by gender, but this is the simplistic scientific view of two men that play scientists on TV but don't know a whole heck of a lot. My name's Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, Phil Gursky from Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting will join us. Uh, there's yet another Canadian that wants to come back to Canada because we give better treatment, softer treatment, to would-be jihadis. We'll talk to Phil about that next. hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. got a crazy rule about terrorism don't do it don't do it don't do it it's pretty simple don't do it but some people decide they're going to get involved in terrorism and you heard a little while ago about i think it was jihadi john not jihadi jack jihadi jack i think is the guy that cuts people's throats on video but then there was this John character out of Britain who has a Canadian father and he's never lived here. He's visited on holidays and he wanted to come back to, to Canada if he's released by ISIS. Oh, I've never been part of ISIS. Oh, you know, I just went there for humanitarian missions. Not what so many of them say. Well, now we've got a guy who was 18 years old, admitted to plotting a terrorist attack in New York City. And he is about to be um, sentenced in New York court. And he filed a letter saying, I not only want leniency, I want to go to Canada so I can take part in their rehabilitation program. Excellent. The word is out among the jihadis. Go to Canada. Phil Gursky from Borealis Threat and Risk Assessment joins me on the line now. Phil, uh, when you were working the jihadi desk for uh, CSIS towards the end of your career, did you ever think that we would be the desired destination for these guys once they got caught? Well, we certainly didn't want to be their destination when they were planning stuff, right? That would be a bad thing. That would be, a, that would be, a that would be worse. That would be worse, admit it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be worse. But, you know, I, I think the unfortunate reality here, Brian, is that, you know, a couple of things have happened recently. And, and there seems to be this this assumption uh, on the part of some guys that um, maybe we are a better place to serve your sentences or, or not serve your sentences or whatever. And, and that's not good. It's not good if, if people have decided that Canada, with all its strengths and weaknesses and faults and, and plus signs, that we're somehow not doing this right. So, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned Jihadi John, and, and there's a bunch of guys that just seem to be all talking about that. And I, I don't know. I mean, we, we have enough people to worry about who really do pose threats. 
Um, and then we have these guys, you know, wanting to come back. I don't think it's really a really great idea. So the the guy's name is Aldorahman uh, El Baswani. Says it's close enough for me. He's a convicted terrorist. He's twenty now, but he was eighteen when it happened. He's originally from Mississauga. And he was outraged by American airstrikes in the Middle East and says this drove him to jihadism. Uh, So he was outraged that the American-led coalition was bombing people that were subjugating Muslims and decided to take up arms against the Americans to stop them from helping Muslims. Well, you know, this is actually a very typical thing you hear from guys like this and they do use the you know the invasion of afghanistan the invasion of iraq um american support for israel they, they do cite foreign policy as one of the main reasons why they got radicalized in the first place what i find fascinating about this guy brian is he's kind of gone into quite a bit of detail as to how we became radicalized which you don't always get in these cases often they're kind of cagey but what they did so he certainly you know at a minimum he's confessed to all of us that he was heavily radicalized now, what he's trying to sell now is that, well, that's the way I used to be, um, and I'm no longer that way. And my first question as a you know, former security guy is, well, on what basis should I believe that you've kind of abandoned the ideology, right? Where, where's, the, where's the proof here? Where's the, you know, what program did you go through? And, you know, saying I don't feel a certain way anymore, well, I'm sorry, but that in a buck fifty gets you a small coffee. At <laughs> that's been my philosophy all along. Yeah, not anymore. Does it? Does a buck fifty still get you a small coffee? I'm not sure. Well, if, if, if you're old, you get it for free. It's even less. But I mean, you know, I haven't got a free coffee at all this year, so I'm I really can't say. But see, this is this is what we need we need to ask ourselves, right? Is that I mean, how sincere is this guy? He he may he may very well feel remorse. He may very well have you know uh, abandoned the Kool Aid, if I can use a mixed metaphor there. But the problem is, how do you determine that? And, and I know if you and I, Brian, walked into the detention center on Innes Road in Ottawa and asked a bunch of guys in there if they were innocent or guilty, I'm pretty sure we could we, we could determine what their answers were going to be, right? So he may be sincere. Like I said, I don't know. I just don't don't know. I don't know what to believe, and I don't I don't know on what basis to to make a decision because we don't know. That that's the bottom line. All right. So we've we've got this guy um, uh, Abdurrahman out of Mississauga. Then there's this guy who he's, I don't even think he's Canadian, but he attended the University of Manitoba for a while. Uh, Muhammad Al Farek and his family's writing letters saying, "Oh, be nice to him, be lenient." These guys, it's um, we really have become almost like a tourist destination. For the jihadi set, which uh, maybe they're all hoping to get ten and a half million, like Omar Khadr did. Well, I sincerely hope because you know when I go to my cottage this summer, I hope that you know they're all going to descend on my cottage asking for you know like a free barbecue. But um, the guy in Winnipeg is interesting because he's actually part of a trio. He's not he's an American, although he studied at the University of Manitoba. His two buddies, um, a man called Yaren and a man called Iman, they're dead. Oh, we think they're dead, fighting with Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. So you're right. I mean, this guy has no claim to Canada, aside from the fact he studied in, in Winnipeg. You know, in terms of the family saying be nice to him, I mean, what family wouldn't, right? I mean, if, if God forbid my kids end up in jail one day, I'd, I'd go to bat for them as well. But again, it comes down to be nice to him on what basis? I mean, how do you know that this person really doesn't feel the same way he did when he fought with Al-Qaeda in the late 2000s, early 2010s? Uh, you know, on, on what basis should we kind of, you know, grant this guy a second chance? I, I'm not trying to be cruel here, but I'm just saying that 
you know, these are people that willingly, deliberately chose to join terrorist groups. They weren't brainwashed. They weren't coerced. They went there to do that. And so the question we have to answer as a society is, at what point do they no longer pose a threat? And then how do we determine they no longer pose a threat? So I don't know, Brian. These are, these are really difficult issues. My default is an obvious one because of where I work. My default is that until you prove to me categorically a thousand percent, you know, you no longer buy into the cause. Until that time, I, I assume that you're a threat because you were a threat years ago, and that's why you joined the terrorist group to begin with. Hey, look, until you prove to me that India was behind the conspiracy uh, to embarrass our prime minister, and it wasn't just him of his own accord, uh, people should be quiet. I, I, I tend to believe in the proof theory as well. Show me what you've got. Uh, John Brennan, the former director of the CIA, was on CTV's question period this weekend, and I'm sure you, you saw or heard about the uh, the interchange where he said, you know what, as far as rehabilitation, he was asked specifically, not about these dudes, but about the guy's coming back and I kind of get where he's coming from. He's talking about the returning fighters. Uh, you know, my, my 17 year old son, when he heard the discussion on the radio yesterday is like, why don't we just kill them? That's typical 17 year old boy answer to everything. Uh, and I said, well, you can't hey, do maybe, that. Maybe your 17 year old boys answer everything brought on over mine. Uh, I, I just find that they, they tend to be black and white at that age. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. That, that's what I mean by it. They tend to be black and white. Well, they're against us. Let's get rid of them. So, well, then jail them. And I, and I was explaining that, well, unless you can gather evidence, it's hard and all of this. And so Brennan's asked about these returning fighters. I want to play a clip for you, uh, Phil, and, and, and get your reaction to what the former CIA director said. Uh, uh, Stephen, if we can uh, just get the clip machine on there. Well, I believe that there needs to be an effort made to try to rehabilitate as many of them as possible. Uh, and I think a lot of it is going to be sort of unique to the circumstances of the individual and what type of environment they come back to. Uh, is there a family environment here? And what is the government going to do to try to facilitate their reintroduction into society? Or are they going to continue to harbor these, these sentiments and views and be a threat uh, to uh, Canadians? What do you make of that? I, I don't think it's unreasonable. I, I'm skeptical of the ability to rehabilitate many of these guys, but what do you make of it? I see where he's coming from because I think that we all have drawn the conclusion, rightly or wrongly, that A, we can't arrest ourselves out of this problem, and B, we can't incarcerate them forever, although actually we can. The Americans certainly have done that with most of their terrorism cases. These guys get life and never see the light of day again. We're a little different here in Canada. I, I, you know, Brian, I think that in theory, I, I like the notion of rehabilitation and de-radicalization, but my counter to that is, well, how do you know what works? And what kind of program are you putting in place? And has it been validated? Has it been evaluated? I, I don't have the answer to those questions. Lots of countries have these programs, the Saudis, the Singaporeans, the Jordanians, there's some in Europe, there's some here in Canada. Uh, and and my my only question to them, or, or the most important question, rather, is can you show to me that what you're doing works? Because, you know, in the best-case scenario, it does, and then we, we all go for a beer and no one has a problem anymore. In the worst-case scenario, you run someone through the program, you think it's worked, you let the guy go, and then six months or six years later, 
the guy turns around and does something catastrophic. So that, that that's my concern, that not just as a former Caesars guy, but as a Canadian, mm-hmm. that these, I don't think these programs have been well thought out. They certainly have been well presented. And, and, I, and but right I, now, I, there's the, no evidence that they work, though, Well, which is my concern. The, well, if you talk to the people that run them, they say that they work. But my contention is that, well, I can certainly tell if somebody is, has disengaged from terrorism, because disengagement, you can see. Disengagement means you stop doing something, Right. You're not going on the websites. You're not downloading beheading videos. You're not meeting with your jihadi buddies down the street. That, that I can measure. What I can't measure is de-radicalization, which is, which is this notion that you've abandoned an ideology. And, and, and I, you know, I, there, there's a difference between, say, if we use past examples like Jerry Adams, Martin McGinnis, and the IRA. Uh, they had political goals in, in, a, in the end, and they achieved some of them through – once they realized they could achieve some of them through the ballot box – instead of the gun, they moved in that direction and served in unity governments and so on. Uh, Jasper Atwal, the, the man at the center of the controversy around India, says he has given up on Sikh extremism and is working with the, the Indian government to dissuade people of that. So there's examples like that, but jihadism is somewhat different because it's it's not, oh, we want a state for this group of people or in this patch of land. It's we want submission of all of you. Well, and not only that, but these guys categorically, they, they renege on, on democracy. They renege on secularism. They say it's, it's fundamentally flawed and it's, it's not in keeping with their aberrant version of their faith. And so they're not going to participate in elections or parties at any point anyway. So you're absolutely right. In those cases, you're never going to see a jihadi say, hey, you know what, I'm going to stand for office and I'm going to run for MP. That's, that's not going to happen, I don't think. But again, the bottom line is that, you know, how do you make this determination? And from a, from a risk perspective, at what point do you say, you know what, the balance of probabilities is that this person is not going to do anything anymore. And, and, you know, we make that calculation all the time because you can't watch everybody. Think, think back to Aaron Driver, right? Back in 2016. Guy in a peace bond, guy on a list. Boom. They evaluated him and they figured out that, you know what, he probably isn't the A-team. And in fact, he wasn't because his bomb wasn't very good, but... End of the day, he made the martyrdom video, and he was shot dead by the RCMP outside his sister's place in Stratford, Ontario. So, you're only as good as, as the information that you have. And I guess my, you know, the thing I'm, I'm trying to say here is that I don't think I have enough information to make that call that these these rehabilitation efforts work or don't work. I, again, I support them, you know, continuing and developing. It's just that I don't know when the end of the day, you know, when to call it a day and say, yep, this guy is no longer a concern. Because you know what? We're, you're only as good as your last mistake, right? If Caesar's the RCMP says, we've evaluated this guy, he's not a threat, we're not going to watch him anymore. And then six months later, you're talking about the attack on the radio center that killed 15 people. Um, everyone wants to know, why did you stop looking at this guy? What are your criteria? And, and you know, we're, we're, we're held to account for what yeah. we didn't do, yeah, they, what we did do. But part of the reason that I, I would say, I agree with you. Let's keep trying is we can't keep 24 hour surveillance on all of these guys and no, we can't it, just it, arrest it, them. We can't execute them the way the not just my 17 year old, but it was the British foreign minister it was the British cabinet minister anyway that said they should do that. Um, we can't do that. No. And, you know, let's face it. If, if these guys happen to die in theater through a drone strike or an airstrike or through Kurdish forces or Iraqi forces or Afghan forces, or whatever, um, so be it. I mean, they've elected to, to, to fight. Um, they've elected to take up arms in a foreign country. And if they happen to die in that foreign conflict, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I like that, but I'm, I'm okay with it because you made that decision 
and dying in, in a conflict is one of the possible consequences, right? So if they die over there, fine. What, what I what I disagree with, I think we're on the same page here. We can't go out, out and start targeting people for assassination. That that would would be wrong, because you know it's that that's a little more than than engaging in a in a battle. I would think anyhow. I think these people they do deserve due process if you can arrest them. But then you, your earlier point, how do you get the evidence to try them in a court of law, especially in Canada? Uh, these are all challenges. And this is why this foreign fighter problem and the returnee problem is going to be with us for quite some time. All right, Phil, great talking to you as always. Take care, Brian. Phil Gursky, if you want intelligent thoughts on Borealis threat and risk uh, on, on terrorism, if you want intelligent thoughts on terrorism, check out BorealisThreatAndRisk.com. Uh, that's where Phil blogs. I'm going to go learn how to speak. And uh, when we come back, a little bit from Sophie Gregoire Trudeau on those amazing outfits in India. OMG. catch up with everyone else next week this is beyond the news with brian Lilly on news talk 580 cfra a little bit of new order makes me want to dance makes me want to go back to the discos in blackpool in england yeah, I was dancing to that in '87, and uh, no, '88, and in, uh, in Blackpool, underage. Don't tell my mother. Oh wait, she knows I was there. Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. <clears throat> she is uh, the prime minister's wife, and I'm not going to pick on her. And I, I, unless she puts herself in the spotlight, political spouses are political spouses. Kids are kids. I don't want to drag family into it. But I do want to play you part of the interview that Sophie Gregoire Trudeau gave to Don Martin today because she did put herself in the spotlight. It's uh, International Women's Day later this week, and she wanted to get out and make comments about that and the importance of women and girls and support her husband and the budget. And I, I get it. Don's in a bit of an awkward position. He's been asked to do an interview on this issue and... Well, you know, he's got to ask about the trip to India, all the costumes, all the outfits, all the photos with failed assassins. It's about two minutes long. I want you to, to listen in. This is a bit of an awkward one, but you were in India and, and you wore a lot of uh, ethnic uh, clothing and, and it was done made in Canada. And some people don't know this, but it was actually made by Syrian refugees in some cases, seamstresses. Yeah. Were you surprised at all the backlash you got to that? You know, it's always surprising when you hear the negative on something that went so well. When I was in India, I met with uh, a dozens of women who work for um, domestic abuse and prevention of domestic abuse, mm -hmm. of child exploitation, of human trafficking, uh, that are doing such amazing things on the ground. I met with school students and young girls who took their plane for the first time to meet with officials from Nutrition International, to which Canada gives 30 million a year since 1995, and, can, and we are continuing to contribute um, to make sure that girls have the basic nutrition that they need from the get-go to 
to flourish and, and to have a, a full a potential and, and, and participation in, in their own communities. So I focus on the important. I think that that's also a life lesson. Uh, I have three kids. I'm an active person. We keep things real. And you got to focus on the positive. I know, but it was well-intentioned. You were trying to showcase Canadian desires, yeah. right? And yet you took all this heat for that. It must have surprised you. I have enough love and stability in my life to take this heat. And, um, you know, when when you're on official trips, no. it's not a vacation. Right. It's serious work. Right. And it's a crazy rhythm. And the kids are really good to adapt because it is really crazy. <laughs> um, I think it's important to also know that on official trips, you, you listen to, you know, to officials who guide you in, in also clothing choices because there are certain places where you have to have your head covered, for example, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And I listen to the, to the professionals. Okay, I don't want to go there. Uh, final question. You get... You could stop for photos all the time. Mm -hmm. Do you know this Atwal guy that you were stuck beside? Was that the first time you'd ever seen him? First time I ever saw him. Uh, when we stand in a, photo, in a photo line or when people come up to us to ask pictures, yeah. it's always a moment where I remind myself it is their moment. Yeah. And it is my moment because these people are showing me trust yeah. and confidence. Right. So I stand there with all my presence and I take a picture and uh, with pleasure. Then something shocking comes along. Yeah. That's life, right? I didn't think you'd know, but anyway. All right, Sophie, oh, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Appreciate this. Thank you, Don. Okay, here's my two uh, cents on what Sophie had to say there. Uh, I'm cutting her slack on the photo. I'm not cutting Justin Trudeau's slack on the photo because we've seen photo after photo after photo of Justin Trudeau with Jasper Latwall. We've heard Jasper Latwall say they're on a first-name basis, that uh, Trudeau comes to town and he says, hey, Jas, how you doing, and all of that. We've heard that. But... Sophie Trudeau? No. So I cut her slack on the photos, and look, I walked into Bill's Big Breakfast last Friday and immediately had people asking me for photos. And happy to do it. Absolutely happy to do it. They could be mass murderers, and I don't know, but they seem like nice people, so I am sure that they're not. But you don't know these things. I've had my photos taken with people. I've been interviewed by people that I'd rather not... Okay, I don't want that association, but I didn't know who they were when they walked up to me. And you're at an event, and you just talk to people. But on the clothing front, she says she's trying to showcase Canadian designers. I Need I remind you that no less than John Oliver, that liberal stalwart that doesn't want to ever poke fun at liberals, poked fun at the outfits that the Trudeaus were wearing and even played a clip from an Indian designer who said they were the outfits were so over the top and that he was glad to find out that they were Canadian designers and not Indian designers. Another case of too Indian for an Indian. That trip was an unmitigated trudaster. We got to make that word catch on. We got to make that spread. It was a trudaster. I swear we're going to get to some local stuff tonight. I swear. Uh, including the light rail um, update. But coming up next, a man who has been fighting for the last year, maybe two years, to end foreign influence in our election. Before this was the big issue in the United States, this was a big issue here. You heard from Senator from last night. Tonight you'll hear from Chad Hallman, who is one of the people behind Canada Decides. We've spoken to him before. We'll bring him back on now to explain how big and bad an issue this really is.
on the news with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Closing this loophole that appears in the Canada Elections Act, where, as you mentioned, foreigners are can legally, you know, um, funnel unlimited amounts of money into our electoral system through via third parties, um, you know, up until six months before an election. That was Senator Linda Frum last night on the program talking about, well, this loophole that allows foreign entities to put money into Canada's election cycle. It's one of many loopholes that need fixed. One of many loopholes identified in a report that was issued last year by a group called Canada Decides. Uh, We've spoken to Chad Hallman before. He joins us on the line once again. Uh, He, along with uh, my old media pal turned MP, now former MP, Joan Crockett. They're two of the people behind this organization. And and Chad, you guys put out your, what, 36-page report a year ago pointing to problems in the electoral system for foreign interference. And it seems Canadians are more interested in Donald Trump and Russia. (laughs) Well, I would agree with you there, Brian. It's uh, really quite disappointing to me to see that uh, the government and also Elections Canada hasn't taken this nearly as seriously as they should. Now, my understanding is that uh, the Commissioner of Canada Elections has said, hey, look, you've got a closing window here if you want to fix what's going on with our electoral system. And much like the, the government senators, they're not independent senators. Uh, much like the government senators are delaying Senator Frum's bill, S-239, they're dragging their feet on any suggestion that we need to even tinker, tweak the Elections Act as it is now. Absolutely. And I mean, as you said earlier, we did see uh, the Commissioner of Elections Canada a few months ago urging Parliament to act. Uh, more recently, we saw the ex-director of the CIA urging Canadians to act in order to safeguard our democracy against foreign interests. And now more recently, we saw the interim chief electoral officer stating that the window is, in fact, closing. So, frankly, the way I see it, the government has two options right now as to how they could actually do something beneficial for Canadians on this front. They could either stop stalling Senator Frum's bill in the uh, Senate, and although the bill doesn't go quite far enough, it's at least a, at least a start, But the government also has an opportunity right now with Bill C-50, which is an act to amend the Canada Elections Act, but they don't address this issue whatsoever in that bill. Okay, we'll talk about that bill in a second. Let's talk about some of the problems you found. So Senator Frum's bill would deal specifically with closing that six-month loophole. Right now, uh, you can – spending foreign money in a Canadian election is illegal. But the loophole is if you take in that money into your group – Six months before the writ drops, well, then it's just your money and you could have had $2 in the bank account six months and one day before the election. Some wealthy American, Russian oligarch, Chinese uh, member of the, the Politburo gives you $10 million. Uh, come the, vo- uh, come the, the writ, you've got $10 million and $2. You can spend all of that on the election and you're not violating So Senator Frum wants to close that loophole. What are the other problems that you guys found? So the other major issue on that front is that we found, after a little bit of research, that there's a seriously unlevel playing field 
between third parties and between political parties. So as you said earlier, the third party is restricted from taking any foreign funds unless it's six months before the writ. Uh, but the other issue is while political parties and candidates are 100% regulated, they have to report absolutely every donation and every cent spended. Third parties don't. Uh, the way that Elections Canada interprets advertising is different for third parties. So while these organizations are generally a lot more tech savvy and social media and internet based, they're operating on a definition of advertising that looks like it's out of the 90s. And it really is only considering traditional newspaper or radio ads. The so, Let's talk about that. Lead Now was one of the big groups. They targeted 29 different ridings. They claimed victory in 25. They focused on Facebook messages. They focused on pushing stories that were negative to the conservatives out. They focused on registering people to get out the vote, targeting voter ID, uh, knowing who was open to voting against the conservatives, and then directing them to the liberal or new Democrat that could beat them. That's running a shadow campaign. Oh, it most certainly is. And it was also running an extremely expensive shadow campaign. I mean, one of the reasons Lead Now was so effective was because they had this really good online presence, but they also had the boots on the ground to back it up. And I personally believe that a lot more people were employed by Lead Now than was reported to uh, Elections Canada. And we can see that through things such as job postings beforehand. But because of this, the way that Elections Canada interprets the word advertising for third parties, they don't legally have to report that. So that's one of the major issues that absolutely needs to be addressed before the next federal election. Otherwise, there's no point in really having any trust or, or any sort of trust whatsoever in the integrity of our elections. So what specifically needs to be closed then? Uh, do they need to look at what I call these shadow campaigns? I mean, one of the problems that I found, the way the law is written, is that Let's say there's a union, Public Service Alliance of Canada. We'll just pick the mm-hmm. biggest one in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And if they're just speaking to their members, they can spend as much as they want. Yeah. So they can run – there's tens of thousands of members in this city. They can target tens of thousands mm-hmm. of people, and that's completely fine and acceptable. But if I was to do that for business owners, that would be illegal. Uh, Most certainly. Most certainly would be. And, you know, back to the example that we gave earlier with a group like Lead Now, their particular strategy was they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, or at least I believe they did, on polling, for example. It was probably the most expensive part of any campaign. But because of this loophole, third parties can then spend a virtually unlimited amount, not just of their own money, but they can have solicited those donations from foreign sources. Speaking with Chad Hallman, he's one of the the people behind the group. Canada Decides they're calling for a change to Canada's election financing laws to close loopholes, level the playing field. Chad, a lot of people would say you are just crying sour grapes because, well, you're working with Joan Crockett and she was a a conservative MP in one of the targeted ridings and she lost. So you guys are just crying uh, and that's why you want these changes. Well, I certainly think there's reasons to uh, cry over the lack of trust we can have in our own elections, but I wouldn't go as far as to call that sour grapes. We've actually seen from a lot of other uh, elected officials, particularly from the NDP, who sort of feel like they've been duped by these foreign interests, 
that they're quite upset about it as well. And frankly, for me, as a young Canadian, as a millennial, this absolutely enrages me because how can I have any faith in my country or in my country's future if I know that my elections are going to be for sale to the highest foreign bidder? Why do you... I think I know the answer, but why do you think that Canadians eat up, or at least are force-fed by our mainstream media, the story of Trump and Russia collusion, that the Russians were trying to interfere, and, oh, we better be worried about the Russians interfering in our election, but they're not interested in a bunch of billionaires from San Francisco interfering in our elections. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you completely, and just for the record, I would state that I think that it is concerning what happened in the United States with Russia. And I think that Canada needs to do everything we can to safeguard our election, our next election against that sort of interference. But frankly, as we can see, at least in the last election, this foreign interference had a serious, serious, tangible benefit to the liberals. And I don't think the average everyday grassroots liberal voter really understands this. And I think that if they did, or if they knew about it, they would be equally as enraged as I am. But it's the folks that are in power right now that benefited from this. Well, that's true. They benefited from it, so they don't want to touch it. But, you know, look, we we saw the uh, Petronas liquid natural gas port in British Columbia shut down. Uh, mm-hmm. Who Who is the our, our competitor if we start exporting liquid natural gas into Asia or Europe? It's Russia. We can be sure that some of the money used, not in an election campaign, but in the campaign against that, maybe in the B.C. election campaign, actually, came from Mm -hmm. Russia. We can be sure that the Saudis have funded some of our anti-oil and anti-pipeline activities in this country. We can be sure that guys like Tom Steyer and folks behind the Tides Foundation have done the same. Of course, they're going to try and uh, focus on uh, trying to disrupt things in this country if they think it will be of benefit to them. I absolutely agree with you, Brian. You got that spot on. Uh, a lot of this foreign money that's come in has, we can clearly see earmarked on some of the donations to certain organizations, is it is specifically in order to protect the economic interests of the foreign actor that sent the money. So regardless where any of the listeners stand on you know, the development of any of Canada's industries or politically in that sense, regardless of whether or not you agree with a campaign run by a foreign-funded source, we still absolutely have to be extremely skeptical about their real agenda because, frankly, I don't think Canadians would stand for this if they knew the source of a lot of this money. All right. Chad, thanks for the time, and hopefully people start paying attention to this, this issue Uh, I'll continue to push it, and hopefully you guys at Canada decide to do as well. Fingers crossed, and I appreciate that, Brian. Thanks for having me on. All right. You can drop me a line if you've got a thought on foreign interference in our election, beyondthenews at CFRA.com, beyondthenews at CFRA.com. That's the email address. Uh, When we come back, I was hoping to check in with Megan Shaw. Hopefully she's back from Carolyn Mulroney's event around the corner from here at the Brig, Carolyn Mulroney, Ontario PC leadership candidate, meeting with supporters at a pub in the Byward Market. Uh, but uh, if not, maybe we'll revisit the other PC interview we did earlier on. It, it didn't go that well, but I'll, I'll explain because some of you are frightened by what I did. Some of you are happy, but I'll explain what happened. Remember, he's on your side. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. 
I want members to know that they'll always know where I stand. Um, and I said it before, but let me be clear that under my leadership, there will not be a carbon tax. Not now, not ever. Uh, Ontarians can't afford it. Uh, that was Carolyn Mulrooney on the weekend speaking with me about the carbon tax issue after Christine Elliott's uh, weird comments that had everyone chattering. It went better than her scrum at the, uh, the, uh, the leadership debate last week, I'll tell you that. Well, Carolyn Mulrooney is back in town. She's been all over the place lately. She's been in Toronto. She was down in southwestern Ontario, uh, Chatham, when I spoke to her on the weekend. Uh, I think she hit the north. And now she's back in the nation's capital, and she was having a little shindig over at the Brig. Interesting, because that is a hot spot. That is a fun spot for uh, the conservative staffer set. Megan Shaw was there, and she joins me now. Are you able to get your mic on yet, Megan? Certainly am. Okay. Uh, It's been a while since I've been up here. (laughs) Well, and they move things around, and I could see you looking. Where's the button? Where's the button for the microphone? We're on. Okay. Uh, so it's a pretty big pub, the Brig. It's not a small a place pub. at all. They got a, 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 upstairs, a space upstairs, upstairs yep. as well. Uh, when Doug Ford came, he's filled the place. When uh, Tanya Granick Allen came, she she filled the one of the upstairs rooms at the Fox and Feather. I mean, everyone picks a room size they think they can fill. How big was the room Carolyn Mulroney was in? Were there a lot of people out? Tell us what's yeah, going on. Yeah, so I think originally she had just booked the upstairs. And uh, just speaking with the manager, telling me, you know, she had booked... 50 people, uh, then called back saying, no, you know, it's going to be more like 100. No, it's going to be more like 200. And I think it's safe to say that this place was fully packed. So they said the downstairs comfortably can seat, I guess, 70, and then upstairs about 50, and then people just standing around, and really all the tables were full. If you tried to get upstairs where she was giving her speech, you really couldn't get in. They were joking that it was like sardines. So it was packed. So Okay, well, so that's a that's a positive sign for her And what we've got. Today's the six. Yeah, and she told three me more, more days than of voting. Yeah, she what? She told me it was more than two hundred people. More than two hundred people. Count them all out, but you didn't. You didn't walk through a pub trying to count people that are moving with would, beers I in their hands. That, that, that was a fair assessment. It was definitely packed. <laughs> See, it was easy when I went to the Doug Ford thing. They were all seated, and I just counted the rows. Exactly. Uh, that's what. I, and you multiply. Yes. No. Everyone was all around, but it was full house. Full house, and and what kind of vibe going on? Uh, young people, old people. Excited? I would say it was a mix. There was a group of young people from uh, the, from Carlton, and they had come to support, but mostly older people. Um, so a lot of people that packed up upstairs really wanted photos. They wanted to speak to her, and she took the mic. She gave her usual speech and then went around doing her meet and greets. And really, she kept getting stopped. It was about photos, photos, photos for, from the people who were there. We were just hearing from Sophie Gregoire Trudeau on Power Play about uh, photos, photos, photos with people you don't want to get photos with. It can be difficult. I always cut politicians slack on that. Hi, can I get a photo? You don't stop to ask them if they're a mass murderer. Although sometimes I think you should. You just take that photo, yeah. You so just take that photo, and that, that's that what photo. she's doing. So, well, that's a positive sign for her. Nothing new in her message, though. Her message was pretty much the same as what we have had heard before. Uh, I think even some of those notes were the exact same as I've heard in the past being read out. Now, I think you was. Did you do the story yesterday on on That's the right. voting? That's right. Have you were you hearing that from people? Because last night, I'll tell you, when I opened up the phone lines and I was pushing stories like, "Hey, call in on this, call in on that," and I didn't mention the voting system, and it dominated 
the entire Colin uh, conversation. Yeah, so yesterday we had reached out, same thing, put out a tweet. Hey, listen, we're hearing from Doug Ford that people can't vote. If you're one of those people, please reach out. And I did get quite a few emails, about a dozen emails, just from a late night tweet. Uh, we ended up going to speak to some of the people who said, listen, I haven't even received my pin in the mail. I'm waiting for that verification code. Um, some of those people, though, today did message me saying, hey, Megan, me again, I received my pin today. Uh, did go around the room asking people. Many had voted. There were some, though, who had done that verification process, but the the other step would be mm-hmm. actually to get now your, your proper code. Uh, so... I was talking to a friend this morning. I'm not a party member. I I, I won't be. I'm not voting, but I'm talking to, like you, I'm talking to people. And a friend this morning said, uh, yeah, so he registered two days ago and then just got his final code so we can vote this morning. And he's trying to uh, get his wife through. And he had a little bit of trouble. He's sitting there with a phone and his laptop and trying to multitask and... Uh, and he said, now I have to go through all that again with my wife tonight so that she can vote and exactly, hopefully get it yeah. by, by um, I guess, Thursday. Yeah. Some people are just super frustrated. Um, I mean, yesterday when we spoke to this one man, Jason, he was saying, for something that should be so simple, why is this so complicated? And and he did receive finally his verification code in the mail today. Yesterday he hadn't, but he's just, now, yeah, he has to go through the next step and the next step and the next this step. This is why I don't want us to have online voting for elections. Everyone keeps saying we should have them for the national election. Can you imagine? Well, I've heard it should be through an app, and I'm just thinking apps crash. And but um, apps crash, apps get hacked. Yeah, <laughs> hacking. But Mulroney did say today she as well is worried about the fact that people can't vote. We know that Ford has been the most outspoken about that. But I did ask her. You know, you, you also did mention you were worried. She said yes, she is. So she's hoping All hopeful. Right. Everyone. Well, Doug Ford tweeting out at five thirty mm-hmm. earlier today. If you have not received your verification code or have been verified but have not received your email ballot, visit IamAVoter.ca and let the PC party know you don't want to be disenfranchised. This is completely unacceptable. And then, of course, that takes you to a website run by Doug Ford where you give him your name and your email address and your postal code. Mm -hmm. And he collects all that information in Nation Builder and it's all good. And it's free. Yes. And he gets to solicit you for your vote after that point. And he has been super outspoken about being worried. And and his voters, who are open with me about that, say, you know, he has the most to lose if he doesn't get these grassroots voters registered. I think that uh, so there have been 30,000, I believe, 30,000 people have voted, uh, which is far higher than we had heard uh, even yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we'll hear from Hartley Lefton, who's with the Leadership Organizing Committee in charge of the vote. Just after 9 o'clock, we'll get an update from him. But uh, this might be one of the biggest uh, ballots that the Ontario PCs have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, most people that, that join the party don't end up voting anyway. But if you want to vote, you should be able to. Exactly. And They're that's the problem here. And I don't think they'll be quiet about it. I think, you know, you're saying your lines are open and you're getting the messages, getting the messages. I think if these people cannot vote yeah. and a leader comes out Saturday, there's going to be But whoever anger. is able to get their people to their computer screen to vote by Thursday, they're going to win. Yeah. That's uh, in a regular election. It's driving the granny to the ballot box. In this one, it's getting them in front of their computer. Megan, thanks so much. No problem. I'll let you go back to the brig and finish your pint. tonight at 11.30. More tonight at 11.30 with Megan Shaw on CTV News Ottawa. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Hartley, Hartley, I keep wanting to call him Harley. Hartley Lefton from the Ontario PC Party will join us next. If the whole world was watching.
with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. You know, a lot of toing and froing in a, in a leadership race. I was in it last time in 2014 and 15. Uh, but I can tell you that I am absolutely confident in the process, and I know that our team, we have one goal. We just want to get to the election so we can help our families. Uh, that's really where we need to be, and so I'm confident that we're all going to rally behind the leader. Rally behind the leader? Help our families. I say help our families is code for defeat Kathleen Wynne. I don't think I'm reading too much into that. But as far as Confidence in the vote. Last night I heard many of you say that you're not all that confident because so many of you haven't received your pin in the mail. So many of you that want to vote in the Ontario PC leadership race haven't received that or you have and you find the process cumbersome. I know certain campaigns are saying certain things. I don't see this changing anytime soon. They're going to stick with what's there. But the guy that's joining me next could tell me if I'm wrong on that. Maybe I shouldn't speak before I introduce Hartley Lefton. He is the president of the Leadership Organizing Committee for the Ontario PC Party. Um, Hartley, I, I, I shouldn't have said you're going to stick with what you've got before asking you. I'm assuming you're going to stick with the the race that you've got that wraps up in four days' time. Well, first of all, Brian, thanks a lot for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on and, and talk to you tonight. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we're working really hard and we're really excited for uh, the announcement on March 10th of the new leader who, as uh, Vic Daly says, is going to uh, lead us into the next election and uh, ultimately help Ontario families. All right, and so you've, sorry, you've heard the, um, the worries, you've heard the complaints about the current voting system. How many people had these pins mailed to them? And and do you know, I've been involved in large mailings before. It's not a bunch of people at the office putting a stamp on it and licking the envelope closed. You use a mailing house. Has the mailing house assured you, has Canada Post been able to assure you that everyone will get these by Wednesday? So what we've had, Brian, is uh, we've uh, we've worked directly with Canada Post over the last few days. Uh, we've received from them the statements of mailing that show that everything was delivered, uh, some were delivered later than uh, than we'd hoped and later than uh, we expected. Uh, and that's led to a lot of the challenges that we've seen so far uh, in terms of, uh, I wasn't listening last night, I apologize, but uh, what I suspect would be uh, your your callers last night and some feedback that I'm getting, uh, which is uh, effectively, hey, where's my verification code? What I have seen, though, uh, since really starting last Friday was, uh, a lot of that has uh, has gone down. We had significant mail drops on Friday, on Monday, even today on Tuesday. And uh, anecdotally, we're hearing more people who are saying, you know what, th- thanks for looking into this. I got my verification code today. And we're seeing that in the numbers. We've had uh, a large, large number uh, of uh, members verify their membership so far. Uh, we've had a, lar- a very significant number of votes, actually, in the 
in the quote unquote box. Uh, we've had. Uh, I, I, I've heard it's over thirty thousand an hour in that range. Would that be accurate? No, that's that's correct. Uh, as of five p.m. today, we were over thirty-one thousand. Uh, for reference, in two thousand nine, uh, the process collected Tim Hudak. There were just over twenty-five thousand uh, members who voted. So we're we're looking to very very strong uh, turnout numbers and and votes. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to pass the number of votes that were cast to elect John Tory leader in two thousand four, and ultimately to elect uh, Ernie Eves leader in two thousand two on the second ballot. Uh, that was a process that quite literally, Brian, uh, elected our, our premier. And so we're very excited by the number of people who are coming out to vote in this process to elect the person who we think will be uh, our next premier. Uh, obviously, we're, we're, uh, we take no pleasure in the reality that some people have not yet received their, their verification codes. Uh, and we're working hard, uh, literally day and night, uh, to try to track these down and get them to members because this is so important. Uh, this election is important, and uh, our member engagement is important because uh, when people take the time to join a political party, uh, we want them to have every opportunity to participate in that party, whether it's through a nomination race or a leadership or a policy process. We want every member to be able to contribute, and uh, we're we're really working, as I say, very hard and, and virtually as you know, stone unturned to try to get members their, uh, their verification code so they can enter the process. Okay, let's talk about what happens after you get the verification code in a minute. But just sure. to, to circle back, you said that you've been working with Canada Post, and they indicate that the, what would you say, the vast majority of people have received it by now? Oh, uh, beyond vast majority, yes. Uh, a very, very strong majority of people would receive their letters okay. by now. Uh, we, uh, there, you know, there, we, there, will be some, there will be some outliers here and there, uh, but... Uh, in general, we expect that the great, great majority of people will receive their verification codes in the mail. We had people that were part of a story for our TV sister station, uh, CTV News Ottawa, last night, who were in the story last night and saying, uh, I didn't get mine. And then today they were saying, OK, I got it. It's fine. Let's talk about the, the verification uh, process. So once you've received it, do you have any hints for people on the best way to do it. I, I, I was saying last night that, you know, in talking to multiple campaigns, they kept saying using a mobile phone or a tablet is the easiest way to do it and has the least hang-ups. Is that accurate in, in your experience? Is there one way better than the other? Because uh, I was speaking with a friend this morning who's tech-savvy and still said, it's a bit of a pain in the butt. Well, uh <clears throat> I'd say, Brian, I'm not sure there's a better way or a worse way to do this. Uh, the priority really is making sure that you can upload uh, identification through uh, our secure portal at verify.pcleadership.ca, uh, upload uh, identification with a picture and with your address on it. So commonly it's a driver's license. It could be something like a, uh, a passport and a utility bill, things like that. Uh, my, I'll give you a, a concrete example. Uh, my parents, I uh, hope they're not listening, uh, not the most tech-savvy people. Uh, my dad's turning 71 this year, my mom's turning 70, and they were each able to verify uh, with little problem. Uh, the, certainly, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I've used my, my iPhone and didn't have uh, really any trouble. The, the challenges that we're seeing most often are people who have a, a blurry photo or people who cut off information uh, on the, the utility bill or the passport or the, the license. Uh, 
people, some people unfortunately have uploaded selfies, which uh, are, are not valid identification. Uh, so you can't vote with a selfie. You can't vote with a selfie. Oddly, how enough, did Brian, Justin uh, Trudeau get elected? Well, that's a separate discussion. Uh, <laughs> my views on Justin Trudeau are probably not for this call. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. So, so you've got to make sure that you you've got clear ID that it's in there, and and then you get an email with another pin that allows you to get your ballot. Correct. Right. So fundamentally, Brian, uh, when you go in a general election, you go to a school or a legion hall or, or a place like that, community center, library. Uh, you go and you say, hi, my name's Brian Lilly, uh, uh, or whatever your name is, uh, and uh, you're, you're shown to a poll clerk and you say, here's my identification. Uh, here's something I have verifying I am who I say I am. In principle, this is exactly the same thing. Uh, we're, we're doing it remotely. Uh, which has a lot of advantages in terms of people's ability to do this. Uh, I, I heard during the break that this feels like minus eight in Ottawa today. Uh, well, you can do this from your couch, uh, from your kitchen table, uh, and hopefully you're you're warmer than minus eight. Uh, if you are if you live in Port Perry, Ontario, uh, you would probably have to drive 40 minutes to Bowmanville in political election. Uh, if you live in Port Perry for now, uh, in, in this process, you don't need to drive anywhere. Uh, so this process has a lot of new features, a lot of convenience. Uh, the technology piece is something we, we worked hard on with our vendors to try to make this as user-friendly as possible. Uh, I appreciate that it's new. I appreciate that uh, anything new and different can be uh, a little challenging. But uh, so far, we've had really, really good feedback from people uh, of varying backgrounds, varying uh, languages, ages, and so on, who say, you know what, uh, I thought it'd be really, really bad. Uh, turns out it was actually pretty easy to use, and so we're, we're gratified by that. Okay. Uh, speaking with Hartley Lefton, he is the president of the Leadership Organizing Committee uh, for the Ontario PC Party. Uh, Hartley, one of the complaints that I'm getting is that um, if there is a problem and people need help, they can't get through. They can't get through to the party. The 1-800 number doesn't get answered. Messages don't get returned. Unfortunately, Brian, um, uh, that's right. Uh, that's something that we've, uh, some feedback that we've received also. And uh, unfortunately, a, a large chunk of that had to do with the delay mail. Uh, so people couldn't get their verification code, didn't get their verification code. Uh, and as a result, we're calling saying, hey, where's my verification code? Uh, that had the effect of backing up the, the, the call center a little bit uh, as people with other questions like, how do I, what with the website again, how to make this work? Uh, or or I've, I've got an issue with my address not matching or something. Can you help me fix it? Exactly. The, all, those, all those really legitimate questions. Unfortunately, they were, they were queued uh, okay. too far back. Is, is uh, that we, cleared now? It's, uh, if it's not cleared, it's certainly clearing. We've added uh, many more resources to the call center over the last uh, probably week and a half or so. We continue to add more, really with the goal of making sure that everyone uh, who wants to participate in the process can Everyone who has a question about the process, whether it's technology or something else, uh, has that uh, that experience and, and that assistance. Is, is that there an email? Is there an email address that they can reach out to rather than sitting on hold and or getting bumped by the the one eight hundred number? Sure. Yes, that's leadership uh, at ontariopc.com. dot uh, com. Leadership. leadership. Leadership at ontariopc.com. dot com. Okay. Uh, it's. It, 
it's a tight timeline. Uh, I I know people, as I've said, I know people in every camp. I know you guys are are fighting hard to to get this done. Uh, but obviously there's going to be challenges, and that means you've got frustrated members. So I'm just trying to give them a voice tonight. Thanks for coming on and, and answering the questions. I hope some people got their uh, their questions answered hardly. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, member engagement, member participation is so important in this process. Uh, as I say, we've had over 30,000 votes already cast. Uh, we have 26 ridings in Ontario with over 60%. Uh, verification already. We have many more, well over 50. Uh, people are, are excited for this process. People are, are really excited to us, a new leader. Uh, and uh, as, uh, as Victor Valley said at the outset, uh, to really help uh, elect a leader that we can rally behind and ultimately bring change to Ontario for Ontario families. All right. Thanks for the time, Hartley. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Brian. Hartley Lefton, President of the Leadership Organizing Committee for the Ontario PCs. I've already got some calls. Maybe uh, you have issues. You want to raise them. Hopefully, Hartley answered your questions. But you know how to call. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Okay, that interview with someone from the PC party went better, didn't it? As for the earlier one, uh, Jason on Twitter writes in, Brian Lilly, you are my hero. Best interview I've ever heard. Tough on a conservative. This liberal has new high respect for you. Uh, Ida says, kudos for ending the interview with J.R. Ottawa. It was painful to listen to him skirt your question. I say, call Karma McGregor for the real story. And Matthew says, what a great interview. You stood up for the little guy, the voter, by not letting him avoid your question. I respect what you did and love your show. If you missed it... Maybe we'll get to it again. Um, we had Jeremy Robertson, who is the PC candidate in Ottawa, West Nepean. He's the PC candidate because there were voting irregularities in the riding last May. And I stuck my neck out for the guy that I didn't know at all, that I don't think I've ever met. Maybe I'd bumped into him sort of thing. But I didn't know the guy. I had no horse in the race. I didn't care between him and Carmen McGregor. I just thought... An injustice had been done, so I stuck my neck out for him. Now he's the acclaimed candidate, and I was just asking him to give me a quick recap. Remind people what happened, and he wouldn't do it. He kept saying, well, we don't need to go over that, and let's move forward. No, what happened? Well, and eventually I just told him, you'll say, you know, let's spend 30 seconds talking about what happened, or you can get out. And he just laughed at me, didn't believe that I'd, you know, throw him out. So instead of getting a long interview, he got a short one and an abrupt one, and it didn't go his way. I'm tired of politicians of all stripes avoiding questions and just say, well, moving forward, no, no, let's talk about what was there. 521 Talk, 521 8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1 800 580 CFRA. 
We heard from Linda in the Hammer last night. She's back on the line. Linda. Hello there again. Did you did you get your voting issue resolved? No. Did you hear the interview with Hartley? Yes, I did. Okay. Bunch of, bunch of BS as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, okay, come on. The guy comes on. The guy no, takes honestly, time out of I'm... his night and answers questions that were put to me, real issues put okay. to me by people like you. Okay. And all you can say is a bunch of BS, because vote Doug Ford. Is, no, no, it's not because of, of Doug Ford. Actually, I came into this looking at every candidate. Honestly, I did. Okay, I'll be honest. I was actually going for Elliot to, to start off with. Okay. okay. I was. But learned a lot through this whole process. I didn't think I was going to make such a big thing of it until this happened. And there's just a lot that's been going on that no one really gets to hear and, about. And so you think that they're targeting people based on who they support? I don't know about that. I don't. I. I just uh, a if lot I of, remember your call last night, right. you you live in Hamilton and it kept saying that you lived in Toronto. I asked right. Hartley about that okay. and about calling the 1-800 number. And he said because so many people didn't have their uh, verification code, it was backing up the 1-800 number, and he's hoping that the, that has been easing off, and he's hoping that tomorrow's even better. Well, I phoned today, okay? I phoned again today, and it got hung up on me again. Okay, and well, that's what that's what kept happening. That's been happening all the way along. And he he done, admit that he admitted that that's a problem. So I don't know how you can call up and say what a load of BS when he admits well, that this is a problem. Is when, the thing is, I've been doing my homework. Okay, I'm not doing this just off the fly. Honestly, I'm not. I have been doing my homework. I've been checking on and seeing who's talking about what. Is it is it a problem with with people actually once they get their code that they have trouble signing up? It's rare. Everybody actually says it's pretty easy to do that. That's the easy part in some ways. It's hard for some people to do it, I understand. But the thing is, it's been all over the place. They're not getting their code. This is what I've had my, my uh, troubles with. I honestly, it's just that we don't, we can't get the code. And what's really funny is something came up with last week. So Brown, go, Brown goes down. And by Wednesday, his, all of his team is on Elliot's team. And then all of a sudden, Elliot's saying everything's just fine with the campaign and everything's voting's just going fine. That's how she looks at it now. That really got me like, well, the first, whoa, this, the is, first, this has been a problem for, like, since, the, since I started. The first, time, the first time Brown bowed out of the race, where did his team go? Where did his inner circle go the day after he resigned after the CTV story? That? Caroline Mulroney's campaign. Yes, but she's not doing so well, kind of thing. She just didn't have, she doesn't have enough backbone. I think that's basically what it, you, you read all over the place. She just doesn't have enough of it. So the thing is now. So you, you think that this is Elliot running the party somehow and stopping yeah. you from voting because you're not backing no, her? No, I wouldn't say it's, I, I, there's just, I. Well, I, that's what you're implying, Linda. The thing is they didn't allow to put enough, they didn't, obviously something's really wrong. Now, I called. I called. I got in touch with the, the, their headquarters the one time, and I talked to a girl, okay? And this was, um, I guess it would be last uh, on Saturday. We're coming Saturday. up against the news, so you got to hurry up. Okay, so it was on Saturday, and she actually told me that it doesn't matter. They, uh, it's a third party, and you can't actually get uh, a new number anyways because they, they're shut down. They're closed. Your numbers are not, they're not making any new numbers. So on Friday, it was done, basically. I, this, or before that, whatever day that they stopped uh, actually running the numbers, you actually couldn't get them no matter what after that. So 
there. What, the uh, what right you there. need is your address changed. You don't need a new number. Uh, Linda, the, i got to let you go because we're up against the news break. Okay. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you. Um, I try, folks. I try. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Back after this. With Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I have a dream that one day. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Just as I have a dream, my poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream The Reverend Martin Luther King, as Bono would say, sing. That was Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Well, sections of it. It's only about six minutes long. Hot day in August 1963 stands in the the Capitol, and delivers just an incredible speech. And the message that I take away from that is that he wants to live in a society where we're not judged. He's very clear where we're not judged by the color of our skin, but the content of our character. And yet we've got this government that is trying to divide people by race, by gender, by everything they can. And they are calling folks like Maxime Bernier racist because Bernier questioned why they're having a new data center at the federal level for race and gender statistics. Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to be past that, be colorblind. That line had Maxime Bernier called racist by a sitting liberal MP who told him to check his privilege and be quiet. Then she linked to a Guardian article saying uh, that claimed saying that was racist. Isn't that what we should want? That we we don't look at someone and say, uh, white guy, black guy, Chinese guy, Italian guy, Greek guy. We're not doing that. We're just saying, you're a guy. You're a man. You're a woman. You are another human being. I thought that's what we were supposed to do. The United Colors of Benetton and all that. I guess that'd be a racist ad campaign now, wouldn't it? The liberals think it's just fine to try and divide everyone like that. I'm wondering if any of you have thoughts on that. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. Robert, out in the mighty Canada. Robert, you're on Beyond the News. 
I appreciate all the work you do to keep us informed, and I know you work hard, Brian. And that that guy not answering your question was the weirdest thing I've ever heard in politics. And I follow you and your reporting style, and you're very you're very decent. So for him to make you that mad, it kind of it, it blew me away. I, I well, all he had to do was I stuck my neck out for the guy. Yeah, I know you did because I thought he got a raw deal last year. I still think he did. But all he had to do was spend 20 seconds yeah, saying, I don't, I, I don't hey. Get How old is he? I've, I don't know. Like, what is he, 25 or I think he's older. 30? He, I think he's older than that, but probably under 30. And okay, he, well, he, he did not hold himself well today. No, he's not mature enough. Okay, now put your thinking cap on, get your calculator out. The party started with Vic Fidelli a couple of weeks ago saying he cleaned the rod out. They determined that there wasn't 200,000 in the membership, that there was only 130. Then Randy Hillier uh, said that he, he wanted to know where the other 70,000 went and the money that, that's, that's attached to that, okay? So now, w- w- you know, with Fidelli's statement two weeks ago, it's a... We know the party membership is 130,000. Well, then they and say 60,000. they have 16 million in the coffers. They had 60,000 added uh, during the uh, the brief window where you could buy new memberships for leadership. Okay, so... 190,000 now. Okay, but now, now I just heard on the radio that, like, from Hartley there, that, they, that there's 31,000 that have been... That have voted, yeah. It's rare that everyone well, that buys where, a membership... where's the 190,000 voting? Okay, well, let, let me explain that to you. It's rare that even with a party membership system that you get all of the party members voting. A lot of people will just buy a membership to vote in a nomination race or they'll buy a membership to support the party. But they say but then they don't vote. it's 10 bucks to vote for the leadership yeah, and, and everybody can vote. And then a lot of people don't vote. Yeah, we've got. But I was sent the notice. I'm on. I'm. I've gone over to the Liberals now. But I was sent the notice by the party to vote for this leadership run that's going on right now for ten bucks. So it looks to me, and th- I'm serious here. I'm not trying to annoy you because I know you've had a hard day. <laughs> but like, it looks like a hundred and ninety thousand. That's this, this. 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 You know the stat, and thirty-one thousand are voting. I don't get it. Well, that's just, so far. They've got until Friday at noon. It's been extended till Friday at noon. Um, there's well, going to be only about thirty-one thousand voting. I don't trust the process. You know, they say they claim they have one hundred and ninety thousand so memberships. Far. Look, Robert. Wait until the end. I've told you. You can look at the Liberal Party. You can look at the Liberal Party provincially, federally. They have the same thing. If they have a hundred thousand members, they don't have a hundred thousand people vote. Okay. It does. It just. So it just it's never more happens. Like a click. Yeah, you, people will buy memberships for a variety of reasons and then not vote. It's not – some okay, okay. will be disenfranchised okay, well, because they can't work that. the system. Please try but and dig into that. there's always going to be more people that have memberships than vote. It was like that last May with the uh, with the federal conservatives. They just, eh, well, I bought the membership, but I'm not going to bother voting. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Ciao. Uh, who's been waiting the longest? Let's go to Kelly. She's calling in about Trudeau. He's a scientist, you know, Kelly. Hello? Okay, I'll put her back on hold. Uh, we'll let you see if you can find her. Uh, Dave. Yeah, hi, Brian. How are you? Long time no speak? Yes, yes, I know. Hockey game's on, and of course you've been away on the morning shows and everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But listen, uh, two things. Um, first of all, I want a short comment on Sophie Trudeau. Uh, I'm going to be like you, and I'm going to cut her some slack on the who's on the picture. Yeah, she. there's not a history of, like, half a dozen photos of her with this guy. But I'm not going to cut her any slack on she depends on her wardrobe consultant to tell her what to wear. Yeah. That I'm not buying no how, no I, way, I think no she, time. I think she is her, her own wardrobe consultant. Yeah, she probably has help from a hobby, too. Yeah. But just, I'm, I'm not cutting her slack on that one at all. Now she wasted an awful lot of our money on that. Yeah, I'm sure she didn't pay for the wardrobe herself, and he did it, you know, the kids. Nope. Now, the other one uh, that I had to talk about quickly was the um, Martin Luther King speech and the shenanigans going on in the in the House, which leads me to my comment. That is that that kind of behavior is why things like Black Lives Matter and other fringe groups don't mean a row of beans to me. What do you mean? Well, it's it's it's, it's reverse racism. It's, it's throwing race in your face. Oh people. no no no! You can't have reverse racism, Dave. Apparently, only white people can be racist. According no, it only to goes in one direction, but they according they, to the Marxists that decide these things, yes, and it is Marxists that decide these things. But that's why, like I said, seriously speaking, that that's why people like like Black Lives Matter and stuff don't 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 carry any truck in my book at all. Well, and, and I'm being serious when I say that it's Marxists that decides these things. It's cultural Marxists on university campuses that spend their days sitting around deciding who can and can't be a racist. Well, we can't even have an opinion on that because of our, of our white privilege. Check your privilege, you newfie. Yeah, but anyway, I've, I've got Irish background, as you know. Didn't have the red hair to go with it, but if I did, the reason that I'm uh, gray and ha- half bald is because I, I did that purposely to, to, to erase the red hair so I couldn't be because <laughs> of being Irish. <laughs> I have literally been chased across the field, a field for the color of my hair, in fear of my life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'd, I'd Welcome had, to Glasgow. I wasn't, I wasn't red-haired, but I never had that happen. I was kind of light brownish here, but I never had, never had anything like that they, happen. They saw myself, my brother, and my two cousins, and my brother's got dark hair, but the, the other three of us were gingers, and all we heard was, Yafinian bastards, and my cousins <laughs> yelled, run. Yeah. And they were in high heels. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Dave. Okay. Uh, let's see. Is Kelly back with us now? Uh, Kelly, are you there? Yes, hi. Hi, Kelly. Yes, I can. Okay, I was actually, I had you on the intercom, but listening to some of those things, this is why I don't listen to Canadian news. It makes me nauseous, and I don't like to listen to the brainlessness of human beings. So I took it off the intercom, and I was dealing with my dogs. It was much more interesting listening to my dog. Why are you calling (laughs) up to insult me, Kelly, and tell me that I... The person oh. who was talking to you. No, not you. Okay, you know, fine, news, fine. Brian, I listen to truly. Uh, you're, I absolutely refuse to listen to you, Canadian media. You're calling in about Justin Trudeau, who proved himself quite the scientist again today. Oh, yes. Uh I think, you know, we should have another job for him where he does dress up like a little girl and have a teacup and take little sippies and then he, you know, rubs his hand through his hair and then he'll do a selfie. That would have been a better job for the idiot. Well, you know, we used to have this show. <laughs> how, how long have you been in Canada, Kelly? I've been here 30 years, and I tell you one thing. Okay, do, right? do you remember? You may not remember then. It might have been off the air then. When I was a little kid, there was a show called Mr. Dress Up. Yeah, that would be him. He would be perfect to play Mr. Dress Up now. But you know what? And this is why I love 
I love what Trump, I hope he takes NAFTA and shreds it and slap taxes on Canadians. Oh, I don't want that. That will hurt us and that will leave Canadians unemployed, Kelly. Because we have a total moron. A brainless, illiterate, pot-smoking oh, yeah. idiot that leads this country, Brian. If we do not, but whatever you country, think of him, whatever you think of him, you can't look what he did in India, Brian. Hold it. Okay, but you don't hold want it. your look neighbors, Kelly. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Kelly, an I, idiot is okay. an idiot. Is an idiot. Okay, calm down and let me say something. <laughs> sure. Regardless of what you think of him, do you want a lot of your neighbors unemployed? Well, you know what? Until things get really tough in this country, then people would mm. wake up from their I don't, smoking brains. I don't want people losing their jobs in their well, homes. Well, Kelly, well, thanks well, for the call. Yeah. Hold on. One thing. Look what he did to in India. Oh. It, 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 it's a joke. I've it's documented it more than most. But exactly. So until people come to their damn senses and stop smoking pot with this idiot who is a total laugh, that is why I love what Trump does. Well, I tell you, until yeah. Canada really goes towards bankrupt because of the federal and provincial government, the two uh, uh, satanic okay. children of the devil, we will not wake up in this country, Brian. Well, you got to go, Kelly. You got to go to com and read what I post there. And I had a story up just the other day about the poll. We're going to take a quick break. Then we'll come back with more of your calls at 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility and 1-800-580-CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. I used to jam out to this song in nightclubs. Now I can't remember who it is. The Hazards of Getting Old. Does it say there on the screen who that is, Stephen? No? Um, I've, I think I've gotten past the stage where I can look back and check. Uh, okay. But I'm just wondering, when's the last time you've been to a nightclub or a club in general? Not that long ago. Uh, let's go to, he's making an old joke there. He's making an old joke. You better watch it, whippersnapper. Uh, Jamie. You're calling in about Maxime Bernier. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Great radio tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Not bad for an old guy. <laughs> well, you know, age is just a number. It's, it's you know. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know about this until you mentioned it on the, on the air earlier. Because most and, normal people are not on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Like, I got Facebook, and uh, I, I just find See, Twitter. Normal so people. Exactly. And um, to say Maxime Briere is a racist is probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, Maxime Bernier. Sorry. Yeah. Bernier. And, like, the guy ran as a libertarian. He mm-hmm. ran as a libertarian. It's like, if you know anything about libertarians, it's all merit-based. It has nothing to do with race or division, you know. And you nailed it earlier when you are speaking to one of the other um, um, call-ins there. It, 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 it is Marxist these Marxist people in these universities that are just bored and they, they like to classify people into groups because they're the true racists. 
You know, these, these are the people that suggest that, oh, yeah, uh, black, you know, in the States, they would say, like, oh, black people can't get a license. Or they can't get an ID, so that's a uh, racist thing. And you know, I, I remember driving through South Carolina just after the last, uh, not the last, after the 2012 <clears throat> presidential election. Mm-hmm. Um, I left two days after the election. We're driving to Florida, and I'm going through South Carolina paying for gas. Mm-hmm. And there is a black man working behind the counter, yep. and I'm the only white guy in the store. And you know what he's asking for? What's that? ID. Because people are buying smokes and they're buying other things and they need to show ID. And there had just been this big fight in the 2012 election saying you can't make people show ID to vote or African-Americans won't be able to vote. And there's a black guy asking another black guy for ID and there's no issue. But it it, it is to the cultural Marxists that want to cut and divide people. And that's it. And, And that's. And that just shows to me they're, they're the true racists. They're the ones implying that black people or people of color can't get a uh, ID because, oh, uh, they, they're not able to do it. And it's like you soft, said, soft bigotry of low expectations. Exactly. And, and you know what? It's, it's really it's really bugging me. And to have these MPs accuse people of based on that. And then she goes back on her word and it's like, oh, hey, let's let, let's talk. Let's talk about it. And it's, you know what? No, no. You know what? You, you said your piece. You, you, you made, you burned your bridge. You don't, you don't get to come back on it just because you got uh, blasted on Twitter. And it's just disgusting. And they're showing their true colors and it just, it makes me sick to my stomach. And we have a, you know, communist in chief right now who's proposing all this, you know, Uh, group dynamic uh, budget. And it's like, I thought we're all Canadian here. We're all covered under charter rights of freedoms. And- I'll tell you this, Jamie. I got to go to other calls oh, because I got to get two more in before the end. But oh, yeah. uh, go. You don't have to be on Twitter to go and read Bernier's tweets on this, and he's put up four worth reading them all and and see what he has to say. Thanks for the call. No, thank you. Bye bye. All right, let's go to Michelin. Michelin, you're on Beyond the News. Oh, hi, Brian. Hello, Andrew Shear. Ça va. He's in the UK. Yes, he is. He's talking trade. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's not with Bill Nye, the no, science no. guy. Excuse me. No, no. He's on his own doing business in the UK. Yep. And the media, press gallery, uh, power play, uh, McGregor, they were laughing at Sheen, but uh, at uh, uh, Sheer. But that photo they were laughing at, it's a red uh, booth, telephone booth. In the British... Uh, uh, really? They were making fun of that? I missed that. Oh, well, uh, just listen to Don Martin and you will know. They were listening, but I they were laughing at uh, him. He's he's uh, the British... Uh, uh, I remember the Beatles, the tel- red telephone booth, and Sheer is just uh, talking on the telephone. But I just wanted to uh, mention, uh, don't forget that uh, Andrew Shear is in the UK talking trades. Uh, the, the press gallery is laughing at him, but you know, uh, they don't laugh at Trudeau when uh, he was in India. And uh, I, I just want to say, Brian, that uh, keep up the good work. And I was surprised that uh, I, I saw, um, um, what's his name, that he used to be with uh, Sun News, um, uh, Cohen and um, Tim Powers on CBC. And I'm just wondering. I, I don't think they were ever with Sun News. Michael uh, Cohen. I I I, I mm. mean, 
Michael. I, I don't know. But anyway, you were surprised by what? But I, I was just surprised that uh, he was there with uh, uh, Tim Powers uh, on CBC. Michael Cohen, I don't. He used to be a professor on Sun News. I don't remember. Okay. But, I, but I don't know. I, I just wanted to say, Brian, uh, don't forget uh, um, Andrew Shear is in the UK. Okay. And, and the Prince Gallery is laughing at him. I will check that out. Got to get to Eileen calling in about PC voting. Eileen, you're on Beyond the News. Go. Hi, Brian. I just wanted to express my appreciation for the work that the committee did in organizing the new voting process in such a short period of time. Difficult task. And I would also like to just mention my thoughts on Jeremy. Um, I think that possibly he was trying to not badmouth an opponent who in the end, had to back down because of the... Uh, he didn't process. have to badmouth anybody, Eileen. All he no, had to do was I recap think... the charges that he made in the umpteen letters and emails that he sent mm-hmm. and spend 20 to 30 seconds doing it, and he just kept refusing. And all he just yeah. tell us why. Like, why is he the candidate now? Mm-hmm. Well, because there were irregularities. Yeah, I feel unfortunate about the whole thing. But um, anyway, then. I, I stuck my neck out for, for the guy mm-hmm. at the time and, and, and yeah. did for almost a full year. And this is the first time he's on and giving him a good platform. And I kept saying, just just talk about it. And he refused. It, it was very frustrating on my part. And I know that a lot of listeners felt that way. That. Sure. It was just that I thought if he had been the one that had been at fault then and then tailgated, you know, run away, then he certainly would have deserved every criticism. But I understand your point of view, Brian. All right. Thanks for the call, Eileen. And just before we go, Eric Tweedy tweeted at me the song that I couldn't figure out who it was. I was correct. It was the Breeders. Thank you, Eric. He said the band was the Breeders, which reminds me that the song was Cannonball by the Breeders. 90s classic. More 90s music. More 80s music. Well, we'll get all of that. Back at it again tomorrow. And uh, if you are having problems with voting, drop me a line beyond the news at CFRA.com. And um, you know, we'll see what we can find out about it at the time. Beyond the news at CFRA.com is the email address. Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly and Twitter.com slash Brian Lilly. That's where you can follow me on the socials. Until tomorrow, remember, I'm on your side.